Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Hello, hello. I am your Dark Travels hostess, Vina, and tonight we're going to finish part two of our February slasher killing couple special episode of The Lonely Heart Killers. So this is part two. When we were on part one, we left off with Martha Beck swearing and showing Raymond Ferdinand. Fernandez. Fernandez. Raymond Fernandez. Her undying love and devotion. She had literally dumped her children off at the Salvation Army. And Raymond, who had been scamming and scheming and basically robbing all of these women, finally comes clean to Martha to see what she'll do. And Martha is so much in love and so enthralled with Raymond that she's like, I'm going to help you. So she decides to help him get rich. Scam all these women, yes. The two of them are going to be get rich together. Correct. Scamming women. And they even work up the story, again, depending on which article you read, but it's either they work up the story that she is his sister or... That she is his sister-in-law. So, over the next few months, the pair actually would basically go around convincing women to either let them move in with them or would convince women move to move into their apartment, you know, Jane's old apartment. And, you know, here, here they've mastered this plan of Martha disguising herself as Raymond's sister. So, basically... They would go from city to city or state to state looking for any potential uh, targets, victims, future victims. And they're just using the Lonely Heart sections of various magazines to find their victims. So he's, they're, they're corresponding with these, these women via the personals. Correct. Okay. He's, that's, the, that's the method of choice here. Right. This is what has gotten Fernandez this far in his new life. With, it, and now he's with Martha. Right, his con in his new life, and now with Martha. Correct. So they go searching through the Lonely Hearts ads, finding victim after victim. And so they even come across, so here's a, a victim that they come across, a lady by the name of Miss Esther Henne. Now she's from southern Pennsylvania, and... Raymond and her are exchanging letters, and Esther's just, like, totally hooked. She falls in love. You know, she's infatuated. And he goes to see her. Things are going swimmingly, and in fact, so swimmingly, so well, that Esther and Fernandez actually get married on February 28th and at the county clerk's office in Fairfax, Virginia. 
And, and this is basically less than a week of knowing each other. So, so this is a real wedding. Well. Like they really got married. Well. Wedding party. Esther got real. married. Okay. Esther. Right. Esther got married to, what's his name? Fer- Fernandez. Right, but Raymond is already married, so this is he's now committing. Right, he... But in her mind, this is a real wedding. Correct. And in the in the in the in the law's mind, it's a real wedding. Correct. This is because I mean awesome. they don't have anything. Raymond got married in Spain. Yeah, so nobody knows that Correct. he's already married. Correct. Is there any? Does his wife have any idea that he's doing this stuff? I, again, I don't know. I don't even know if he's sending her money. I don't know what he's telling her, because this guy is just unreal. His thinking, it, it just... Well, it's the brain injury. It's the brain injury. It's the sure. frontal lobe. Correct. So all three of them returned to the to Jane's apartment on West 139th Street in New York. And at this point in time, Fernandez starts pressuring his bride to sign over all of her insurance policies Sign over her teacher's pension to him, and I mean when this when this all blows up and people go to Esther and you know ask her for some details and you know she gives interviews. She actually tells the reporters for four days he was very polite to me, and then he gave me tongue lashings when I wouldn't sign over my insurance policy or my teacher's pensions to him. So. She and then she explains that you know things start to go down after that, and she also explains how she starts to hear stories about how he went to Spain with this woman that died. Yeah, Jane. They're in Jane's apartment. So shortly thereafter, the new Mrs. Fernandez is like, "I'm out. You can keep the car." And I gotta go. Correct. There's no. There's no Uber. You can't bail. She got to catch a bus or a train. She got to get a bus or a train. Get the Either heck out of Dodge, Virginia or Pennsylvania. And but, and in the meantime, she's got to get a divorce. Correct, but she's she's out. She's safe. The only thing she that costs her is her car and hundreds of dollars that Raymond will eventually steal from her. And at that time, hundreds of dollars—that's a lot of money. Right. I mean, we're still. It's not even the 1950s. Yeah. Right after Esther's gone, he's just going. Woman after woman after woman. And the next woman that comes up is a woman by the name of Myrtle Young. Myrtle is from Green Forest, Arkansas. And, you know, they exchange letters. He begins her letter courtship wooing of her. And all goes well to the point where he asks Myrtle to marry him. And on August 14th, 1948, he and Myrtle get married in Cook County, Illinois. So, he got married to Esther. Esther, I don't in remember April. where you said, in New York. In no Virginia. Oh, in Virginia. He he married Esther in February twenty eighth in Fairfax, Virginia. Okay, so now in a different state, he married six months later. Six not even months six later, months later. He married the other. I don't lady. even think the divorce Esther's divorce is even. Well, Esther is the only one that's trying to get a divorce at this point in time. But not that it matters to him, right? But either way. He marries Myrtle in a different state. And again, you know, we're not talking. There's no computerized system. There's nothing. So they can't check to see that he's already married. Any type of marriage certificate. Yeah. 
do, and again, you know, Martha's rocking and rolling as the sister or sister-in-law. And so they get married, and Martha posing as Raymond's sister, she's trying to work it so absolutely never, never, never does this marriage get consummated, okay? In fact, she even works it to the point where she somehow convinces this poor woman, Myrtle, that she's got to sleep with her in the same bed so that Raymond can't come and bum ugly his new quote-unquote wife. So a a couple days go by, and Myrtle's like, no, no. I'm not having this anymore. You're my husband. We need to get it on. And in fact, she makes a big deal out of this whole thing that Raymond turns around, douses her drink with a heavy dose of drugs, which basically causes her to lapse on into unconsciousness so he basically he drugged her yeah he he roofies her he roofies her before roofies her a thing so with (laughs) martha's help raymond and martha carry myrtle onto a bus and they send her back to little rock arkansas and she's passed out correct they they carry her onto this i mean i don't even know how People How does a bus this. driver not say, what the hell is going on here? We don't accept unconscious people. <laughs> right? Right? That should She's be like gotta a policy. Be conscious. So, she's still so duped. By the time she reaches Arkansas, she actually has to be carried off by the police who think that she is just inebriated. They think she's intoxicated. No, she's drugged. But they don't know and they don't care about the difference so they take her to the hospital where she eventually will die okay she dies yes she's so doped up that she dies correct oh my god and while back in wherever martha and 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 raymond is they're off robbing her going through her stuff stealing writing fake checks cashing everything that she had out and she's Basically, they accidentally kill her. Well, yeah. I mean, accidentally they didn't intend on purpose. to kill her, well, but they'd... their actions caused her death. Right. I'm not, you know, excusing them. I'm just saying I don't think at this point in time it was their intentions to cause such death. They just harm. wanted her to go away. Go away so they could steal her stuff. Correct. But Correct. they killed her. <laughs> right. That's, that's okay. rad. So... At this point in time, I'm not even sure if Martha and Raymond actually even know that she dies. Because they just they just keep rolling with their scam. They do not stop. They're like, oh my God, we killed her. We need to stop. No, it's like, all right, let's see who else let's we can. Let's keep scamming. Correct. Because they so, don't even know what happened to her. She's just dead in the hospital somewhere. Correct. Okay. So they keep rolling with her scam. He, you know, he's playing the lover seeking true love, and Martha's playing the sister who's, you know, got nothing better to do with her life. Then, and they keep this up until uh, they keep this up, and in 1949, Raymond begins a letter writing courtship, if you will, with Janet Fay. That's his his standard procedure, right? He right. just letter writes and, and then begins one. Right. He's fishing and seeing he's fishing who's... And fi- right. Fishing and finding out which one, and well, this is his next one. Which scam, which person be the best person to scam? Okay. So then he finds Janet Faye. Janet is a 66-year-old widow who placed an ad in the Lonely Hearts section of her local newspaper. 
Janet was a religious woman, a religious Catholic woman who attended church every Sunday. And, you know, Raymond, who gets wind of the fact that she's this devoted Catholic lady, he actually laces his letters to her with these references of God and religion and quoting the Bible. Total scammer. I mean, we already know that. Right. But now he, in fact, they're scamming. And I don't know if he, they just started thinking maybe we shouldn't use our real names. At this point in time, we know with at least Janet Faye, he's actually using the name Charles Martin to correspond with her. Okay. So he's not even Raymond Fernandez. Right. right. Okay. So, So she thinks he's Charles Martin. Right. Okay. So Raymond and Janet, you know, they're exchanging their letters over several weeks in which uh, Raymond lays it on thick. He persuades Janet that his intentions are honorable and they make arrangements for him to come to Albany just before New Year's Day. On December 30th, Martha and Raymond arrive in downtown Albany and check into the hotel as Mr. and Mrs. Fernandez. But the very next day, he shows up at Janet's door with a bouquet of flowers. As Mr. Martin. Correct. Nice. Correct. Charles Martin. <laughs> Martin. Yeah. Oh, because he's Sp- a Spaniard, so yes, it's Martin. probably. Okay, I get it. So he rolls up on Janet. They spend a lovely day together getting acquainted, discussing religious matters. And then after a couple of days... Raymond says, hey, by the way, I got my sister. Can I introduce you to her? And, you know, Janet's eating this all up. She's like, oh, of course. So the three of start going out to dinner, start touring the city. Janet even allows them to sleep over in her apartment. And pretty soon, Raymond feels comfortable enough to propose marriage to Janet. And Janet's just like, oh, my God, yes, let's do this. <laughs> she falls for it. Correct. They're all falling for it. What's with women back then? Well, whoa. What's with men scamming the women? Try well, that. Well, I know, but, well, both. I, I, I get it. I, I Right. Okay. But, right. like, they just fall for it. I don't think today women fall for shit like that as easily. Well, I, I don't know. So... They work this this grand scheme that they're all going to move to Long Island, where Martha apparently has already found and rented out an apartment in uh, Valley Stream, Long Island. And during the first week of January, Janet starts her rounds with Albany in terms of going to her banks, her different banks, cleaning out her bank accounts. And she basically accumulates over $6,000 in cash and checks. And... As soon as she's done with that, they get married. They head over to Long Island, and, you know, they all settle in. It's like, this is our new life. They have a nice dinner, and they settle in. And things start going fairly well at first, but this doesn't last because one particular morning, Martha finds Raymond and Janet in bed together, and Martha just... Flips. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, yeah. She, she, I mean, later on when she's questioned, she, she, she says, I just flipped out or I, I blacked out and she does not know what she does next. But apparently in her jealous rage, Martha will grab a hammer and begin bludgeoning Janet Faye over the head with it. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. And so she's the first. Killer. Mar- 
Correct. I deliberately. Mean, on purpose, deliberately Correct. kill her. Correct. So she's whacking Janet's head in with the hammer. Ray was right there next to her well, naked he didn't in bed. Even say anything. And I actually read a couple different accounts of what happens. Okay. A couple accounts say she just hammered her to death. Others say that Martha beat her near death, but she didn't die. So Raymond had to strangle her. Had to finish her off. Had to strangle her to finish her off, exactly. Either way, they're both responsible for Janet. So now they're both bona fide killers. Now they both have bona fide blood on their hands. Yeah. Okay. So what they both do is they clean up the room. They wrap poor Janet's body in towels and sheets, and they just shove her into the closet, and then they go to sleep. Like that. They just leave her in the closet. Yes, for now. The next day, they go and buy a large trunk, and they dump poor Janet's body inside. Then they drive over to Raymond's sister's house, because remember, she lives in Brooklyn, or she did, and they convince her to store the trunk in the basement for some time. Now, they keep the body there, and on January 15th, Raymond comes back. He retrieves the trunk from the sister's house and bury it in the cellar of a house that they rented. So, during that time, Martha and Raymond goes to find this house to rent, and he digs up a grave. In the basement. In this rented house basement, and he cover and digs up Janet's grave. And then once he buries her, he cements the basement. So I guess, I don't, what was the time frame that the trunk was at the sister's house? A couple of weeks? 11 days. 11 days. A body doesn't start to stink in 11 days? I don't know. The sister doesn't be like, oh, what's in the trunk? Things start to stink. Hey, sis, here, hold this trunk. Benjamin Franklin once said, fish and guests start to stink after three days. So who knows? So for the next couple weeks, they're cashing Janet Faye's checks and they're typing up letters to her family saying, I'm so excited and having the time of my life. I will soon be Mrs. Martin and I'm heading to Florida. And then they, you know, forge her signature, Janet L. Faye. But in their haste, they make a huge error, a pivotal error, because Janet's family actually knows that not only does Janet not own a typewriter, but Janet doesn't type. So the second the family members get the letters, the typed letters, they're like, no, 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 something is terribly wrong here. And they actually call the police. But Martha and Raymond, I mean, they just don't mean to miss a beat. They just keep on rolling. In fact, they're rolling so much in the dough that they're actually starting to go broke. So, again, they're constantly looking for victims. They're constantly looking to see who they can rob. And because Raymond never stops with these letters and these correspondence, he actually already has another victim lined up. So from Valley Stream, they head west to Grand Rapids, Michigan, where, unfortunately, their next victim is literally waiting for Charles Martin. All right, so he his next victim is a young widow named Daphne Downing. 
She's 41, and 41 is young. Okay, I don't care. Yeah, that's young. I mean, the the other one was 66. At this point, I don't I don't remember how old uh, Charles or Raymond or whatever his name is. He was is. born in 1914. So he's in his 30s? Yeah, mid-30s. Mid-30s, maybe early <laughs> 40s? Right. Okay. Now, like I said, Delphine is a widow, but she has a two-year-old child named Rennell. Delphine, again, she knows him as Charles Martin, a successful businessman who is in the export-import trade and who has a special love for children. So when Charles tells him that, hey, I'm coming to Michigan, she's like, oh, my God, he's totally coming. So he rolls in uh, and visits the Byron Center, which is the, a suburb of Grand Rapids, Michigan. She's so excited that when he basically springs on her, oh, by the way, I'm bringing my sister along, she's like, I don't even care. It's so wonderful to see you. His sister. Correct. Okay. Correct. And this is how fast they're moving, okay? They actually meet up with Delphine at the end of January. They, I mean. That's like, what, a week after? he? Two weeks. Two weeks after they kill. Not even two weeks. Barely two weeks after they Kill. They have they have gone through all of the ladies. What was her name? Janet. Janet. They've gone through all of Janet's money. They've gone $6, through thousand dollars. They've gone through. They've contacted her family with this bogus letter, and they did all this in two weeks. And now they're moving on to Delphine. Delphine. So my assumption is that he keeps writing those let like even even he as he's meeting stop. right even as he's meeting up with Delphine. He's got somebody else waiting in the hooks. Right. Okay. And and that's just it. Delphine was actually very impressed with Charles. Again, he... Well, they all are. He knows what to tell them. Exactly. He's very courteous. He's very, you know, he writes well. uh, And he charms her to the point where Delphine thinks she has a future with him. And so when he's visiting and she sees that he's very considerate towards her daughter, he sees that he's very considerate, uh, he has very considerate manners, she's just thinking, oh my God, this is it. This is the guy. This is the guy I've been waiting for. I don't even care if she's got a, he's got a frumpy sister with him. In fact, she is so enthralled that before February is up, they're, you know, bumping uglies. They're going at it, much obviously to Martha's dismay. Does Mar- I wonder if Martha even knows. No, Martha knows. A woman knows. That they're humping? Yes. You bumping think she uglies. knows? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, let's be honest. You have to show some sort of affection and and in some type of intimacy. Yes. To establish a rapport, to establish, I think so. You know, a, a relationship. Unless he's just that good of a scammer that. Well, uh, he's actually not that good of a scammer because, you know, almost immediately, uh, Raymond starts applying the pressure about signing things over to him. He's too quick on the trigger. Correct. Okay. Correct. But they are on the move. You understand? Mm-hmm. So she's like holding out. She's not exactly convinced. And she's, you know, she's refusing to sign anything over to him. And everything actually comes crashing down one morning when she goes into the bathroom and actually sees him without his toupee, which this is kind of shocking to me because it was my understanding it was a cheap toupee and toupees aren't necessarily 
you know, decent looking or authentic looking. Either way, she's so upset and startled at his baldness and this ugly scar that he is on he has on the top of his head that she, it just all clicks. She 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 accuses him of fraud and deception and you know, she's upset, she's enraged, she's telling she's just it she realizes that she's been played, basically. And so Raymond tries to turn the charm on her, you know, he tries to calm her down. You know, hey, babe, it's okay. Sorry, sorry I didn't tell you about my scar and my wig. Correct, but nothing works. So finally, and I'm not even sure how this happened, but Martha convinces Delphine to take some sleeping pills to calm down. So Delphine actually does this. She takes some sleeping pills, but at the sight of her mom acting strange and, you know, screaming and yelling and now falling asleep, the daughter, Raylene, begins to cry. Delphine, right? Right. Okay. The two-year-old. Oh, she's two years old. Correct. So, I mean, she doesn't know what's going on. There's a bunch of adults in the house. There's strangers in the house. They're all fighting and arguing. Correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. And because she's crying, and this is a really tense moment, and, you know, it's just, they don't, they just don't handle this very well. Martha grabs Raylene and starts choking the child to the point that the child falls unconscious. And she leaves, you know, red marks and bruises around the little girl's neck. So now they got a problem. Now they got to either kill her or get rid of her or something. Well, their their issue is, is that when uh, Delphine wakes up, she's going to see the bruises around her daughter's neck and and then see, they're going to have I even bigger problems. Going. So Raymond decides this is over. We've got to get out. Well, this is over. We've got to end. you got to end Delphine. Correct. Basically. So he goes. He grabs Delphine's dead husband's gun. And while she's laying there unconscious, he shoots her in the head. And unfortunately, by this time, by the time this decision is made, the little girl is actually awake, and she sees Raymond kill her mother. But she's two years old. She can't, so she probably can't, like, vocalize that to anybody. Uh, well, no, I wouldn't say that. I, uh, a child can say, you know, I, I've, I, they hurt my mom. Right, 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 right. He hurt my mom. Okay. So what they do is they wrap poor Delphine's body in the sheets, they carry her down in the basement of her own home, and they dig a hole and Bury they cover her up. In her own with, house. Yeah. And while he's doing that, Martha's cleaning up the crime scene, and they take a moment. They decide we're gonna we're gonna just chill here for a couple of days. Uh, we're gonna sell some of her stuff. We're gonna cash all of her checks, and. So this is what they do. I mean, the poor woman is dead in the basement. The daughter's still alive. She's crying consistently because yeah, her mother's dead. These strangers are not comforting her. Her they're 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 getting rid of her mom's stuff. So at this point in time, they decide they have to do something with the child. Child. Yep. I was going to ask about that. So Raymond actually tells Martha, "Hey, you need to handle this." And Martha's like, "I can't do that." But what she ends up doing is she ends up filling the tub up with water and drowning the little girl in the tub. So it's it's done. Seems like just get the gun. It would have been, oh, man. Or just left. Or just leave the poor kid. Correct. Exactly. Why? Yeah. Okay. So they actually bury her next to her mother in the basement. And, again, these 
people are just, they're like, well, you know what? We're not going to head out just yet. In fact, <laughs> let's just stay here. Not only that, let's go have a date night. We're a little stressed. You're a little stressed. <laughs> let's go blow off some steam Correct. from killing this. They go out. They kid. go to the movies. They go back home. They get up the next morning, and they're like, we're just going to get our stuff. We're going to go. But by now, the neighbors of Delphine have gotten very suspicious about things going on in the house. That They call the police, and... The next day, there's a knock on the door, and on March 1st, the officers show up. The police show up. So, he'll, um, like I said, the, the police knock on the door. Raymond answers the door. They're like, um, you can't come in. The police are like, hey, we're coming in. And Charles Raymond, whomever, he doesn't have the authority. It's not his house. So, the police search, and they find the, mar- the makeshift graves. So... They get arrested. They're brought back to the Kent County DA's office where they're questioned by the police and the district attorney. And either because they resigned to their fate or, you know, they've known they've crossed the line. For whatever reason, they don't ask for an attorney and they actually don't attempt to avoid any line of questioning. They sign a 73-page confession in the presence of the Kent County DA. Uh, a Roger McMahon. Only to this one murder or to some others too? You know, it, it's 73 pages, so I, I, I have no doubt. They coughed everything up because the DA at Kent County tells them, look, I'm not going to turn you over to New York, so just come clean. And the stark difference between New York State and Michigan State, and this is the defining reason why they come clean, is because Michigan where they're at, does not have the death penalty. But New York did. Correct. <laughs> so they come clean. In Michigan. In Michigan, think because the district attorney told them, I'm not going to turn you guys over. So just tell us everything. Come clean. So they do. But during the week of you know March 8th, as, as the investigation progresses, the governor of New York, Thomas Dewey, t- talks to Michigan and basically cuts a deal with the Kent County prosecutors. And the Kent County prosecutors say, no problem. We're going to go ahead and waive criminal charges for the Downing murders and allow you guys to extradite them to face charges for Janet Faye's murder. And the, again, the main reason why they do this is because New York has the electric chair. So okay. they want so so Michigan wants them to go to the electric chair. Correct. They're willing to say we're we're not going to prosecute him or them rather for the killing of the mother and the child because in New York they will be executed for their crimes and that's yeah. good enough for them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they ship them to New York and the trial of both Martha and Raymond Fernandez opened on. June 28, 1949. And they're prosecuted together. They're at the same table. They actually have the same attorney, who is a young attorney. Not very experienced, but it is what it is at this point. Is there any anything uh, from your research that, that, uh, that says anything about what happened to Raymond's wife in Spain? Well, we're going to get to that in a second. Oh, okay. 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 Now, after 44 days of testimony and court proceedings the 
Case goes to the jury on August 18th, 1949. The jury takes the case, they break for dinner, and then they begin deliberations at 9.45 p.m. at night. Wow, that's crazy. Right. I mean, but there, I mean, this trial is such a huge sensation because you're talking, they confess to the voodoo. Martha comes clean about the sensational sex. I mean, they just put it all out there. This is, this is and, it. And you for have back to remember, then. this is the, this is not even 1950s. Just a black magic sex. This is big, big news. Correct. You know, huge news. Killing innocent women for money. It's probably on the front page of every newspaper nationwide. Correct. So, the jury deliberates all through the night, and in the morning, they again with no sleep. They're like at 8:30 in the morning. They're like, we're ready. So. Almost 12 hours. Correct. Okay. Correct. Well, they did, right. Nine, 9.45 to 8.30, almost 12 hours of. Correct. And they're right. found guilty. So on August As 20th, they should be. Correct. And so on August 22nd, the judge says that both of them will, will be sentenced to die in the electric chair on October 10th of that year. Okay. So within. The hour. They're hooked, booked, and sent to prison. To Sing Sing. Sing Sing. Sing Sing Prison. Oh, Sing Sing Prison. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so my assumption is I guess Sing Sing was both a women's and a men's prison. Had to have been, I guess. Okay. So either way, they get there. They're on death row. Okay. And even on death row, they're. It's like the newspapers report on how their death row lives are going. Are they are they like together on death no, row no, 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 or separate? No, 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 no. Prisons separate. Right, right. I know that. I'm just I. Like, no. I know they do now. I don't know about back no, then. It's all separate. Okay. Okay. There's even a, a a scandalous story of Martha sleeping with one of the one of the guards there, and there's you know Raymond hears about this scandal and. Um, he's enraged, and so now Martha and him are sending, I hate you, I love you, I hate you, I love you. I mean, and, and this is all getting reported. This is like a soap opera unfolding in the newspaper while the these newspapers. people are on death row <laughs> waiting to be killed. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So, but for Raymond, all this time that he spends on death row, and unknowing, unknowingly to Martha, he is writing and professes his love for his first wife back in Spain. In Spain. So he's like kisses and hugs to the children. You'll receive a million kisses and hugs from oh from the one who always will love you to the very last second of my life. Does now does I wonder at this point does she know that he's in my, prison? It would be my guess if this was as, as sensational as it as my research had indicated, they probably heard about this in Spain. I mean, who does this? Okay. So, and I don't know why, but for some particular reason, and again, in my research, I didn't see why. But again, remember the judge said, your guy's going to die on the October 10th. Well, that actually gets extended to March 8th. March 8th, 1951. Okay. So, they're there in jail for a good year and a half. So, March 8th is actually both of their execution dates. Raymond's last meal will be an onion omelet, french fries, chocolate, and a Cuban cigar. And 
his last words, you know, his to the reporters and everybody who's, you know, interested. The witnesses and stuff? No, no, just to the reporters and readers. Yeah. I want to shout, I love Martha. What do the public know about love? And, I mean, he's just like, because he and Martha finally, you know, Corresponded. Correct. And, and he and knows. worked out their differences. Correct. In his dying moments. But he actually kind of breaks down. And he becomes so panic-stricken and paralyzed with fear that the guards actually have to carry him to the chair. And that's how he dies. Martha, on the other hand, her last meal was fried chicken, french fries, and a salad. And she basically walks in to the execution room, escorted by her matron guards. And she basically plops herself down carefully into the chair. In fact, she kind of had to wiggle herself into the frame because she was, you know, she was a little bigger. Correct. And, you know, she gives her a little spill, but the last words formed in her by her mouth are so long and <laughs> at 11:24 p.m. Martha's dead uh, so long correct <laughs> that's hilarious and that is the story of the killing couple the lonely heart killers is that like what they actually call them, the Lonely Heart Killers? Correct. And that's because, because they were the Lonely Heart Club guys, right? Correct. Correct. Okay, okay. It all comes full circle. Okay. So in our previous episode, we discussed the giveaway, the true crime giveaway. Uh, if you are interested or in or intrigued or hope to win, it's a simple little giveaway. Just sem- simply send me an email at wherethedarkcornersare@gmail.com and let me know which episode was your favorite. And it doesn't have to be a true crime. It could be, you know, the last one, Savannah or um, Georgia or whatever. But either way, let me know. And include your name and address in case you win. And I'll put it in the bowl with the other entries. And please have all entries in by February 28th. I will pull it for the episode aired on March 4th, which is a Thursday. And declare the winner there. Also, Facebook. I'm on Facebook, guys. If you're curious and like to join, send me a request. (laughs) Still collecting listener tales. And if you have one that you'd like to share, send me an email again at wherethedarkcornersare at gmail.com. However, if you have a place that you would someday like to hear where their dark corners are, or have a specific tourist attraction in mind, send me an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. Final words? That was pretty crazy. Yes, it was. <laughs> so long. I can't believe that 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 they would do that, first of all, and then that they would get people to fall for it. I know. But they I did. Know. All right. So until next time, only the few can find the beauty in the darkness. Which is why I hope to meet you where the dark corners are. <laughs>